This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. And I would like to welcome you to One Month to a Better Board. In this month of February 2017, I'm going to go through and do a series of podcasts talking about making your board more effective. I'm going to start out with the legal requirements that a board has around compliance, move into why a board needs a compliance committee and compliance expertise at the board. I'm going to talk about how the CCO should report to the board and questions that a board compliance committee should ask of a CCO. We're going to take a look at some government guidance and business experience around compliance and the board. We're going to talk about some board failures. We're going to talk about how boards do investigations. We're going to look at boards and internal controls. I'm going to end with a series of specific questions that a board should ask of its chief compliance officer. And on my final day, I'll detail 20 questions that every board should ask of its chief compliance officer. Each day, I will give you a short 10-minute or so podcast with three key takeaways for that day. And I will accompany each podcast with text that you can use. The 20 questions that I referenced will be provided on the final day of February. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for joining me on this journey to one month to a more effective board. Day 12, compliance metrics for a board of directors. What are the metrics for a board of directors around compliance? Former Assistant Attorney General Leslie Caldwell laid out some of these that the Justice Department would consider in a review of compliance programs. They included, does the institution ensure that its board of directors and senior managers provide strong, explicit, and visible support for corporate compliance programs? Another question, does U.S. senior management maintain a material role in implementing and maintaining a company's overall compliance framework? And I would add, to that, does the board of directors. These requirements move beyond simply having the correct tone at the top, which every board should articulate. There's a substantive role in the doing of compliance going forward. One of my concerns is this sets up board members for prosecution under the FCPA in the new era of the Yates Memo where companies are required to investigate and turn over individuals to the Justice Department for prosecution if they want to receive any credit for cooperation. Of course, the Yates Memo also articulated the DOJ's previously stated intention to more aggressively prosecute individuals. This was certainly drawn forward in the FCPA pilot program. So what's the board role or how can you determine specific metrics for a board? So you begin with two questions. First, does the board of directors exercise independent judgment of a company's compliance program? Second, is the board of directors provided information sufficient to enable the exercise of that independent judgment? Boards should take a more active role in overseeing the management of risk within a company. Now this includes having an FCPA compliance program in place and actively overseeing that function. This means if a company's business plan includes a high-risk proposition, there should be additional oversight. In other words, there is an affirmative duty to ask tough questions. We talked a little bit earlier on day nine about having 
a grain of sand in your shoe. And this of senior management. So this certainly has this insight. But it's more than simply having a compliance program in place. The board must exercise appropriate oversight of the compliance program and indeed the entire compliance function. The board needs to ask hard questions and be fully informed, informed of the company's compliance, overall compliance strategy going forward. Some of the areas for hard questions include the corporate compliance program and code of conduct. Is there an overall corporate governance document which will inform the company, its employees, stakeholders, and third parties of the conduct the company expects from an employee translated into appropriate local languages? Is there documents of delivery and training on this or these documents? Risk assessment. Has the company assessed the compliance risk associated with its business? Implementing procedures. The board should determine if a company has a written set of procedures in place that instruct employees on the details of how to comply with the company's compliance program. Once again, <clears throat> have these implementing procedures been translated as appropriate, and do employees understand these procedures? Finally, are all of the above documented? Training. Has the board been trained to understand its role in an effective compliance program? Has the board been trained on the FCPA? Has the board been trained on risk management? You may have some excellent, high-quality individuals on your board who have been very successful in business, but do they have compliance expertise or do they have it available to them? And finally, monitor compliance. Has the board independently tested, assessed, and audited to determine if its compliance policies and procedures our living, breathing program and not just a paper tiger. There are several paths a board of directors can take to fulfill this duty. Obviously, the full board can be apprised of compliance issues and handle them appropriately. However, this may be unwieldy or not workable if there's a large board and the compliance function only has limited time to present a quarterly and annual report. A compliance committee is a natural venue for the compliance function to report to as it handles these issues and should have this expertise. Through the convergence of the Yates memo and these metrics, it's time for companies to have a compliance committee, a board-level compliance committee charged with oversight of FCPA and ethics, compliance and ethics, but also such other compliance topics as uh, anti-money laundering, export controls, and other disciplines. Think about the Volkswagen scandal not only having a robust compliance program, but a transparent board which had oversight might be the only thing stopping injury to your reputation from illegal acts. Or simply unethical conduct. So what are your three key takeaways for today? Well, the first is that the Justice Department expects active engagement by the board around compliance. Simply taking a report from a chief compliance officer, a general counsel, or others is not going to be sufficient in 2017 going forward. The board needs to be actively involved. It needs to be actively uh, asking questions. It needs to be actively that grain of shoe, grain of sand in the shoe of the chief compliance officer. Is the board asking probing questions? Does Number two, does the board exercise independent review of the compliance program? 
I think this speaks to the information flowing up to the board. Does the board receive sufficient information? But more importantly, how is the board evaluating that independently? Are they simply taking what the chief compliance officer reports to them as face value, saying thank you very much, or did the board bring in another law firm or another compliance expert to perform an independent review or even test specific parts if you're high risk within certain uh, geographic regions? So did the board exercise independent review of the compliance program? And finally, and perhaps the greatest evolution has been the convergence of the Yates memo, the Department of Justice Compliance Council in the person of Wei Chin, and then the FCPA pilot program. The Yates memo, of course, talked about individual accountability. Wei Chin talked about the operationalization of your compliance program into the very business units of your organization. And the pilot program talks about and evaluates all of these characteristics, all of these indicia, all of these criteria. So as part of Wei Chin's charge under the pilot program, she takes a retrospective look back as to where your company was at the time when the incidents in question leading to the potential violations occurred. So if your board was not actively engaged one, three, or five years ago, you may not receive credit for that. And equally importantly, on the remediation prong, she will evaluate what you put in place going forward. So the convergence of these really form a continuum of thought from the Department of Justice as to what it expects from uh, the Board of Directors regarding metrics. Of course, if you have ever heard me speak before on live, podcast, webinar, or other, you know that the three most important things in FCPA compliance are the following. Document, document, document. Well, if you have metrics and you meet those metrics, but you haven't documented that meeting of those metrics, uh, you really have nothing to show a regulator when they come knocking. So it is absolutely critical that you document any metrics that a board of directors does fulfill. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to Day 12, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for Day 13 of One Month to a Better Board. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for joining for today's episode of 30 Days to a Better Board. This series is based on my seminal work, Doing Compliance, Design, Create, and Implement an Effective Compliance Program. It's available from Compliance Week, and you can check it out on their website, complianceweek.com. I hope you will join me tomorrow for another episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.